Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Today I'm preaching kind of a processing message. You know, sometimes you come in and you just got something on your heart and it's like, this needs to be said. This needs to be taught. And then there's other times you're walking through stuff with people because people are going through stuff, you know. Uh, life happens to all of us, and you have to process it. We all have to process it. And that's the thing is we get to process it with each other. Amen. We get to process it with each other. But that, that's one of the strengths that I want this place to be is a safe place for you to come and be real, be honest, don't put your church face on when you walk in here and pretend like everything's okay and lie. <laughs> but be willing to let yourself have hope. Be willing to let yourself have hope. I think a lot of times we get beat down so much that it's like hope is scary. Especially because the last time you prayed and it didn't happen the way that you would thought it would, maybe even you had a promise and it didn't happen. You know, that's just kind of that's just kind of where some of us are, and walking through it. There, it's no, it's not. You know, there is sadness with it, but there's no reason for it to let it take your joy, and let it take your peace, and let it take your life. Even though there's temporary things that happen, we still have hope. Amen. I, I just I just don't think death was part of God's plan. You know, and and so we're we're left with this paradox of what we do have on this planet now, right? And, it, and it's, it's not easy sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a weird planet because I was thinking about, y'all are going to have to just kind of give me some freedom today because I'm, I'm, I got all kind of thoughts rolling around. Everybody knows somebody that's hurting, sick, uh, loss, experiencing loss, some kind of pain, trauma from the past. You know, God is a comforter, Amen. And this is where I'm going today. But pray from the place that God's a comforter. God leads us to peace. God's ultimate plan is heaven. That's how we filter through this life, what's going on. We filter it through God's true heart toward us, which is heaven, perfection. So out of that place, Lord, we, just, we, we put our hearts towards you. We lift up our loved ones to you. And we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that righteousness, that, that free gift of righteousness that we place our faith in the sacrifice of Christ. He was that perfect human because we can't be perfect. It's a given. We can't be perfect, but we live within his perfection. He died in our place. He became our sin. All of our guilt was put on him. All of our shame, all of our sickness literally manifested in him, and he died with it. And he went into the grave with it. And it was completely exhausted from God in Christ. And then in that grave, Jesus, you conquered death for us. And if we're in you, death has no hold on us. And like the minister said yesterday, death is a release. It really is. It's a release into eternity. We just shed this temporary body and move on. So, Father, we thank you that those are here. We do have a promise for healing in the process. We do have a promise that you said the works that you do, we would do. 
you define yourself as a healer. But sometimes, Lord, we don't experience it. We don't blame you for that. We just keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on that, that eternal place that we have in you. And we have hope while we journey. And we trust you. So we speak life and blessing and peace over every person, all of our loved ones, mm -hmm. in your power, in your name, and in your victory. Amen. Amen. The main scripture that we're talking about is hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yes. And we're talking about don't cast aside your hope so you don't get heart sick. Right. And it's challenging. I will tell you, it is challenging in the midst of this. And I'm just being honest because I'm looking at someone who's lost her husband. I'm looking at empty chairs who we don't know yet what they're fighting for. I know what some of you are going through and what some of your family members are going through. And honestly, I think about myself and my life and my future, and I'm like at complete, total peace. And it's challenging. It's a paradox because I hurt when you guys hurt. And I think about God, right? I think about how heartbroken he must be at times watching what we have done to this place. Because if you realize it, I mean, here, here's the deal. There are, there are three kind of main ways to view God. And it's like everybody that has their camp can prove their way, right? And so there is proper interpretation, but there's also expectation to believe God, yield to his transformation unto obedience. Amen? But there's three main ways. One is like you look at a script has been written already. And the characters in the script are playing out their roles, say Shakespeare and Macbeth or something like that, right? So those characters are playing out their role as if they are making those choices, but that script is already written. It's a done deal. Everything's already in stone. Those, people, those characters think that they have choice, but they don't because it's already written. That's one way. Another way would be, uh, so that would be kind of a, a Calvinistic type thing. On the other end, you actually have what's called open theism. Open theism would say God doesn't know everything. However, he can react to in like chess, right? Like he's a master chess player where he sees 27 moves ahead and he can respond and change and manipulate and, and he's planning, but he's responding. And then there's kind of a different scenario where some people say a ship, some people say a house, where it's like, God gave us this planet, and it's like a sublease to us. Anybody have rental properties? And you lease that house out to someone? What, you're restricted. You can't go inside that house and tell those people how to live. You can't go inside the house that you own and make them eat the healthy food, treat each other well. Or a ship, same thing, you know, a ship that might be on the sea that's moving. Those people on that ship in that house, they have their own choices to make in life. God owns it. There's a particular destination they're moving toward, but in the end, but in right now, those people are making their decisions that live in that house. That's how we are. We are on this planet. God owns it. God owns everything. And the end is planned, where we're going, how it's going to wrap up the perfection that he has awaiting for those that choose him as a response to him choosing us in the process, right? And so that's the challenge that we have when we're talking about these kinds of things because you look at cancer. But then again, you look at Jesus healing people and he says, you can do the same things and even more, right? So it's this paradox. It's like, okay, well, which one is it? Do we just give up and say, well, whatever happens, happens. We just trust God, 
Or do we say, bless God, I have this promise. I have this promise, and I'm going to believe for this promise. But we have to watch out because if we believe for that promise and it doesn't come to pass, we can blame God. Now, some people start out, they go through different camps. Some people will say that they used to believe in that stuff, but now I don't believe in that stuff anymore. And usually we stop believing in things because we can't get it to work in our own lives or it just circumstance defines our theology for us. But I want to filter everything through this and try to really just simplify and give us a common lens to look at life through, to look at God through, and to look at circumstance through, and to just, in that lens, in that context, move forward in all the teachings that that have been given to us. And really, it's very simple. It's in 3 John 2. There's only one chapter, so it's verse 2, 3 John chapter 2. And I really, truly believe that this is God's general heart toward us. This is God's desire for you. Now, take a, take a deep breath for just a minute. I know, I know some of this stuff is heavy that we deal with. Life gets in the way, doesn't it? And this is a place of encouragement. I appreciate you stepping forward. Don't sit on it. I've told you before, don't sit on it, because we need you operating in your gift in this body, don't we? Amen. And that's what it looks like. You know, I'm all, I want the gifts, We see the gifts all the time. You don't have to suck the wind out of the room and fall on the floor and run around the building seven times. If God tells you to do that, go ahead on and do that. But just be be honest and authentic with yourself, right? So I, I really do appreciate you saying that because it gives that experiential part to what God wants to say in addition, right? But so we're going to start here. Beloved, I pray that you prosper. Uh oh. I mean, already, half the body of Christ is offended (laughs) just because of one word. And what they think, you might think, that it means. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds like judgment, right? Because we are talking about judgment in this series is what we're talking about. Judgment is when I assume to know why you do what you do, or I assume to know what you're thinking, or I'm living reactionary because of what I think you think, I'm thinking. I know why you did that, because you were thinking this. Oh, you do, do you? And Anyway, all right. I mean, I I really do believe this. And, And I'm not just trying to tickle your ears. I want us to have a proper perspective of who God is. Amen? I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. He wants you happy and healthy. Now, I'm telling you, the arguments that come in the way that those things are pursued in the name of church and ministry and teaching, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, really, you know, because I think if we just sit down, if every believer on the planet sat down, we could solve it in two couple of, couple of minutes. It's like, all right, God created this. And we talk about this a lot, but, you know, here's what happens is a lot of us have a, an intellectual knowledge of Scripture, but we don't really know how to apply it. Or we don't even really understand how to live within it, right? 
And sometimes we think we, we have an understanding about something, but then when we seek to apply it, it might look different than what we think. Now, I'm not saying pervert scripture. I'm not saying change things and make it match your circumstances and cherry pick or any of that kind of stuff. But for me, it starts with one thing. Who is God, really? Who is he, really? Yeah, amen. Come on. We got another preacher. We do. We got two young preachers in training in here, Parker and Christian. I'm telling you, this boy would come up and ask me questions, and I'm like, how old are you? God wants you happy and healthy. Can you just, can you just kind of just leave it at that? You know what I mean? Like, like what then comes after that? He created it perfect, right? Perfection. The Garden of Eden, absolute perfection. Heaven, absolute perfection. Why is it so messed up in the middle? It's either him or us. I say us. We've made some bad choices. We have, we're the ones that brought sin into this earth. We're the ones that brought the, allowed death to reign. And we're the ones that continue to choose it. But there's grace. There's a power directly from that dimension of perfection into us through his spirit that rises up inside of us. And we are planted. It's like we're planted into that eternal dimension in this dimension, drawing from that spirit. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is giving life to our physical bodies. It manifests unto us as wisdom and direction and all the gifts in action. And primarily, righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, this is a message that I know will challenge you. And, and, and some of us are going through some really heavy things. And there's questions. Well, why? Why did that happen? Why did God allow that to happen? Why is this happening? I don't think God's plan was death. You know, I, we're, we're in a, we're, and, and this, is, this is an illustration. I'm not trying to politicize the gospel or preach nationalism per se. I do love this country. You know, I stand with Mike and Tracy there who have a calling to influence our government. God bless them. I mean, I'm telling you, you better be called if you're going in that field and they're called. I know they are. But we have an election. He's going to share a little bit with us next week. But, uh, you know, as an example, you think about the founding of this nation, right? And, and, and the document of the Constitution that was given to us. And it's basically a document to keep us from killing each other, keep the government from being too oppressive, and then now you're free. Knock yourself out. Pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And... Uh, don't infringe on one another's property, government. You're going to protect that. But it's like the framework was written to put in place the, the, the acceptance of personal responsibility. You know, it's, like almost, it's almost like when God founded this earth and he said, let us make man in our image. We'll give them dominion over everything. That's like a constitution written by God. And he says, here, now, Live within it well. By the way, live this way. Live within it this way. And we haven't done a very good job of living in it his way, right? The law was never given so that you would be accepted by God through performance. The law was given to show you where you're missing it so you could course correct and better follow him. 
The law was given to reveal your sin. And when you bumped up against the law, oh, I'm missing it here. I need to go this way. And God said, well done. Good job. That's, that's what it's for. It's to show you where you're missing. Not, not, now, under, under, the, under the law, there was a condemnation because there's a spiritual element where you have to, where, of living with God eternally, that you can't, a course correction under the law does not equate to eternal life. That's something completely separate that God has to give you. And I pray to understand that. You know, I think of it in terms of energetics. This, this life that God has given us is not as a result of performance. It's a result of experiencing the kind of quality of life that he has and that he is. But in this place where he's given us responsibility over this planet, he showed us how to live within it, and he gave us a system that when we messed it up, we could turn and go the other way. Then Jesus comes and then writes, changes us, performs a circumcision on us inwardly, and he removes the body of the flesh. He removes, you could call it sin nature, and he puts within you his righteous nature, and he writes his laws on your heart, and he puts his spirit within you, and he gives you his mind, and he promises that he will always lead you and guide you into all truth. Good job. That's what's happening. You know, it's like, it's like there's perfection in the beginning, there's perfection in the end, and there's a river of perfection going through the chaos in the process that we can float within down that river into eternity. You can jump out that river if you want to and, and reap death and destruction, or you can live His way. Ultimately, now on this side of the cross, living His way is loving God, loving people, knowing who you are in Christ, and naturally following the Spirit of God. I mean, it, it's a process of changing how you think Christianity is to be executed, let's say, you just be. Understand what he did for you and just live within that identity. You will make the right choice. It's when we give in to the stuff that's outside the river that we mess up. Are you with me? And so we're trying to make sense of all this stuff because that's the question, right? Why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why is this? And so what it does, now remember to kind of bring this back into this series that we're talking about. We're talking about judgment. Judgment is assuming to know why people do what they do and assuming to know what they're thinking. And oftentimes, based on our circumstances, we judge God. Well, you see, I prayed and I didn't get healed and that's because God didn't want me healed. Because God wanted me to learn this lesson, and this lesson now has put me in this ministry. And because of this ministry, thousands of people are saved. And so therefore, God didn't heal me, so thousands of people would get saved. Now, you can believe that if you want to. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But is there a better way? Could thousands of people have gotten saved without the illness? You could have just followed God. Did God bring the sickness? One of the promises to the children of Israel, I will put none of these diseases on you. All of God's promises are yes and amen. amen. God is not causing it, and he's not allowing it. He's allowing us to bear the fruit and reap what we have sown. Now, I'm not saying that if you have cancer, it's because of something that you did per se. It might be. I mean, I rem you know, I'm, I'm really not trying to disparage Ron. I remember sitting in the hospital with him, and he brought up the fact that he smoked for 50 years. You know, you treat the body that way, and there's repercussions. Uh, it's challenging, right? 
Now, let's say somebody that takes care of themselves has the same type of thing. What's going on? You can chalk it up to the script having been pre-written, God's just in control, or you can take personal responsibility and say, you know what, I'm not going to blame this on God. This is my life. We, I'm part of the human race, and we have messed up this planet. And then we get in these situations with well-meaning Christians, maybe even our parents, maybe some of you PKs, maybe some of you that were in uh, you know, extremist situations. Maybe they meant, well, they just didn't know. They misrepresented who God really is, and you're dealing with the effects of that because now you're trying to feel, figure out who God is in light of who your parents represented them to, him to be and have your own faith and walk that out. You know, we want God involved in our lives, but then we look at our lives and we think, well, it's such a mess, and depending on how I think about God, I may be attributing to the, the condition of my life to him. I just don't see it that way. He gave us this planet. We've messed it up. He'll restore it. We can trust him in the meantime, and we don't have to judge him because he wants, above all things, that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, I realize that's like, you know, to get your mind wrapped around that sometimes because of the stuff that we've been taught to see God that way. Now, that doesn't take away personal responsibility to obey him. But obedience now is a fruit. Obedience is a, is a, is a product of the spirit living within you. O obedience is, is uh, effortless. Think about it. When you are truly obeying God, you're not trying to. It's when you're trying to that you're probably not obeying him because you're depending on yourself. You're not living within his grace, within his power within you. So just quit trying to live right. And trust in who you are in Christ and who he is in you and yield to that. Now, the responsibility is this. When you have the opportunity to sin, what do you do? You realize, wait a minute, no, this is not who I am. God has rescued me from this. There is a power in me stronger than this. And this grace, there's way more grace available to yield to than this opportunity to sin over here. Absolutely take responsibility for that. Don't sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus. The once and for all sacrifice for all sin. You know, it's such a paradox because we live in this world, but we are not of this world. You know, we are personally responsible for the condition of our lives here, yet God doesn't hold your mistakes against you unto eternity, right? It's like, I'm free, but I want to live well. I'm free, but I want to represent him on this planet. I want to bear heaven's fruit now on this planet. But if I don't, I'm safe in Jesus. And that's not an excuse to not live, to not desire to bear the fruit, Right? And then you mix in all the stuff, all the tragedy. Tragedy. I just don't see that in God's script, per se. Are you with me? The Hebrews, the Israelites going to the desert. We can look at Hebrews 3. 
You know, this is, uh, this is often misunderstood because it talks about a testing in the wilderness, right? So the Hebrews, the Israelites, you can pull that down for just a second. The, 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 the Israelites had been in captivity in Egypt. Moses goes and gets them. Remember what God said? Why did God tell Moses to go get them? So I can give them the law and I can whip them into shape. Go get my people so that I can ride them really hard and make them feel like they will never make it. Go get them so they can wander in the desert for 40 years, and I can kick back and laugh at them. No, what did he say? Go get them so that I can dwell among them. He just wants to live with us. Right in the midst of this place, he wants to live. I, th I think one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to, when, when we see Jesus restore this place, and we look at the way it could function, we're going to be like, whoa, you're, are you kidding me? Because it's this planet, right? This planet is restored. I mean, there is that heaven dimension. You look at the plight and the journey of the Israelites, and it, it directly mirrors the journey of the believer. You can't do it. You're in captivity. You're a slave to sin. You, he sends the deliverer. He brings you out. You journey through life. You experience his blessing. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But he's, there's a promise that awaits you that he's always leading you toward that promise, always leading you toward that promise. And if you are not experiencing those promises, it's this. So you can put that up now, Hebrews 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. God was tested in the wilderness. God was put on trial in the wilderness. And we are still putting God on trial. We are still holding God accountable for the condition of this planet and for the condition of our lives. Why did this happen, God? You said I could have this. You didn't do it. And so you get these statements like, well, either he wants it this way, or he could do something, but he's choosing not to, and people accuse God. You ever watch, I, I love these uh, debates, like with uh, Sam Harris or um, Dennett, uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens, with like a Dinesh D'Souza, if you watch any of the, anybody watch any of those debates? I just, I love watching those because I just, I love to understand how God's critics think to sharpen myself, you know, not, not for debate, but just to understand the thinking, right? And it's interesting that a lot of these guys, they have, you know, their big thing, well, there's no proof. And, it, and, and they'll say, they're not necessarily atheists, they're actually anti-theist. They, they say it would actually be a, good, a bad idea if the God of the Bible existed. Because look what he's done. And I, don't, I haven't yet had heard one of them from a New Covenant perspective say, well, this is who we are now. And all of that stuff was a result of mankind's choices. There's always this weird intellectual approach to it rather than just saying, putting the responsibility on the, the people, right? But those guys will make their intellectual debates, they'll make their psychological debates, they'll make their moral debates and they sound really smart and intelligent and when they realize that it, it, here's the problem those debates will never come to a conclusion because one person is talking 
about spiritual knowledge, that, that, that you can only understand God through a spiritual interaction, and the other guys are talking on a scientific observation. Well, well, I only believe what I can see. Well, you can't see God. There is a there is a there there is a revelation that has to happen where you tap into this spiritual knowledge through the Spirit of God dwelling within you to understand those things. Anyway, but they all so when they come to a head, the atheist, anti-theist, not always, but commonly, will say, Well, look at the world. Is that the kind of God you want? Something like that. Well, that God is done, blah, 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 and they start accusing God. Watch it. That's what happens. Accusation toward God over the condition of the world. Now, have you ever done that? You, now, you've done it this way. Well, I just don't understand why this happened, God. I don't know why you allowed that to happen in my life. I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is, this is not easy to preach, trust me. But we have to properly represent God. God is not on trial. Nobody's, nobody's on trial because we're not talking about blame. We're talking about responsibility. How many of you are parents? I mean, how many times have you had that conversation? I'm not talking about blame. I'm not talking about I don't care whose fault it is. I'm talking about who you want to be. Who are you going to be? In judgment, we typically judge others. We determine why they did what they did. We make a decision about ourselves through the lens of that judgment. Well, you did this because you are da 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 da. Or you did that to me because I'm worthless. And so now I believe that I'm worthless for the rest of my life. Or it's some type of sexual offense, and, and, it's, it's, and it's communicated to you that you're just a sex object. And so for the rest of your life, you live this promiscuous lifestyle because that, that got ingrained to you in a moment of trauma and high emotion, and you were mistreated, and you adopt that belief about yourself, and you just live it out. And then we put that kind of stuff on God because of what people, and God's like, I didn't do that. They did that. I'm here to comfort you. I mean, I, I want to be real, you know? I want us to experience real transformation. I want us to be free from the judgment of this world and God's, and, and free from having to blame God for our circumstances. It's not about blame. It's about personal responsibility. It's about living within this freedom. And so we have this warning here from Jesus about when someone else offends us. Watch out when someone offends you of how you respond, of the significance that you attach to that sin or that trespass or that offense towards you. But do you ever remember what somebody did to you and then use it for justification to be mean to them? Or you remember what someone did to you or how they talked to you or the way they made you feel and then based on how you felt, you change how you behave toward them. Now, see, that could be wisdom. That could be uh, reactionary living within the offense and judging them. If they've hurt you and you say, you know what? That's your stuff, man. I'm not changing who I, how, who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But I'm drawing a line right here, 
and I ain't crossing that line with you again. Or you invite them on over into that line and they live in your head and they live in your emotions and when you're around them, you completely change how you feel. You've judged them. You've attached significance to what they did to you. And it, I'm it's, it's hard to detach that significance, give it back to them, send it on out of there, forgive them, and then move your own way free, light, and clear. But we do that to God, and we do it over very difficult circumstances and situations. God, you didn't do this. I prayed. This didn't happen. Now, we know better than to blame God. What I'm talking about is a subconscious process that happens, right? Because in your mind, you're not, I know you're not blaming. You're not saying, well, God, you didn't do that. Now, some people will. But subtly, it happens very subtly, deep within our hearts. This thing happens. And little by little, it starts to harden our heart, harden our heart, harden our heart toward God. I don't mean hardening unto evil. I just mean, you know, being cold. You ever, you ever felt like somebody just kind of grows cold toward you? That's what we do to God because we judge him for our circumstances. Are you with me? Think about this in context of what we do toward him. Luke 17, 3. We're reading 3 and 4. It says, uh, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, now obviously God's not sinning against you. Uh, we're talking about in principle here. You might think he has. You might think that he's not come through for you. But watch yourself. If your brother or sister sin against you, rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times, in a day, seven times come back to, and come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, the principle is this. Somebody does something to you, you forgive them. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean what they did is okay. And it doesn't mean that you continue in the same kind of relationship that you did before. You might have to put a boundary there. You might have to distance yourself because you, they are not trustworthy in that part of your life. Are you with me? But... We put those same kind of emotions on God in the form of, this didn't happen. I see this promise, God. You said it right here. And I prayed, and this happened. I'm telling you, we've done it. We've all done it. But be careful, because where you go with that can harden your heart to the very thing that you need from him to move past that difficulty, that heartbreak, that loss, that offense. So the hope is this. God is not, you know, even Job, for 40 chapters, it's probably time for me to preach on Job again. Every time I preach on Job, people leave the church, so... <laughs> For 40 chapters, Job and his buddies accuse God. Chapter 40, God shows up. Would you condemn me that you would be justified? Can you imagine? This thundering cloud shows up, hovering, wind. You're rumbling, and God speaks to you. Are you going to accuse me that you would be justified? Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? 
where were you when I measured out the oceans and the seas? Where were you when I made this creature and this creature? Who do you think you are accusing me? And Job was like, I'd heard about you, but now I know you. Now, the reason when Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, was not accounted to him as sinning against God, it's because he didn't know. But he repented for everything that he said. It's true that Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but it is not true that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Who was it anyway that took away everything from Job? The tempter, the deceiver, right? So even just, you just look at it logistically to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. You got to start sliding into the one extreme to say, well, nothing happens without passing through his hands. You ever heard that? And we look at Job, we look at the enemy coming to, to God to accuse Job, and we look at it as God's granting, you know, this demon, whatever it is, fallen angel, whatever, watcher, son of God. Sorry, I start thinking of all these books that I've read, and it's like <laughs> interest, interesting in that council there, what's happening. And we think that this thing is going to God, and God says, hey, Take a look at my buddy Job over here. Why don't, you get, why don't you mess his life up? As if it's an invitation in his life. But what he's actually saying, if you look at it in the original language, what he says to this enemy that steps before God to accuse Job, God says, where you been? He's like, ah, I've just been walking around in the earth to and fro and ran across your servant Job. You know what? I bet that he would condemn you if everything he had was taken away. And God's like, have you set your heart on my servant Job? You can't touch him. I'm protecting him. You cannot take his life. And the enemy comes back. Well, yeah, but what if all this happened? And God's response is one of, if you, if you don't understand the responsibility that we have over this planet, you don't understand this response from God. God's response is one of, he has responsibility. Behold, everything he has in your hands. And then Job later on says, that which I feared the most has come upon me. What Job feared happened. What you fear, you might allow to happen in your life. God protected him. I mean, I just kind of went on in there, but uh, <laughs> all of those things have to be made sense of, right? In context of where, where are we live? Where are we? Because if God designed cancer, what in the world? What kind of God is that? Like Jesus said, who among you, if your son asks you for bread, you'd give him a snake? Is it, would any of you do that? And I'm not talking about just trying to bring God down to a humanistic level. But there is that kind of logic that Jesus uses when he talks about the character of God. 
This is some of the hardest stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, there have been so many denominations built over these things that I've talked about. Church splits, all that stuff. I'm not worried about that. But I want us to have a proper perspective of who God is. I mean, we owe it to God to see Him clearly through the lens of love, through the lens of a father, through the lens of His expression of His heart toward us in Christ. You know, if you want to understand God, look at Eden, look at heaven, then look at Jesus, then look at whatever it is that you're looking at. Are you with me? You know, like if you hear something about one of your friends that you know and you hear an accusation toward them, maybe they even made a mistake. You're like, wait a minute. That's not, that's not, that's not who I know. I know them as this. And you're open to go find the truth, right? I want us to be truth seekers about who God really is. Now, who God really is is who he is in heaven, who he was in the beginning. That's who he is. And we can experience that in the middle. Taking personal responsibility, not judging ourselves, not judging people, not judging him, not holding the condition. See, we need to return the favor because he says, I'm not holding your sin against you. Let's not hold the condition of the world against him. Amen? Last verse, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A lot of us are heart sick. <clears throat> now, I, 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 I still want to hold on to that end of hope. You know, I don't want to send you on this introspective journey where you're now trying to analyze yourself and where you've gone wrong in your heart. And now you've got to fix yourself. Just realize, you know what? This, God's better than what I think. God is better than the condition of this world, the condition of my life. And he's a good father. He has good plans for me. I, I can understand God through Christ. You know, don't even try and figure out the future about what's going to happen. Trust that his mercy endures forever. Now, that's not some veiled universal statement, so don't try and read into that. There is an end. There is a final judgment. But in this life, Jesus has taken away anything that God could punish you with. He's taken away even the root of that, des of that desire for ungodly things. We only desire those things when we think about them and we let them bear fruit in us and we move in that direction. But that is not your nature at this point. You actually naturally crave the things of God. I, I, I can hear it. I mean, I can hear I can hear it. You naturally crave the things of God. You don't know what I did last night. <laughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. To defer something means to put it off. You know, I used to wrestle. There's three periods. You'd flip a coin. You won the coin toss, you'd defer so that you had the last, the choice in the third period, right? Coin toss, football game, you defer so you got the choice at the end. Defer means to put it off. We are putting off hope. Hope deferred 
makes the heart sick. So we're not choosing hope. We're putting it off. Hope is a joyful and confident expectation of good things. It is hard to have hope in the middle of loss, in the middle of illness that's been there for a long time. It's hard to expect good things in the middle of that. And so then we start creating beliefs and theologies and doctrines because of our views of God and how it comes to us may be filtered through Him and it just gets all muddied, doesn't it? But if you put this lens on that above all, above all, God's will for you is life with Him in heaven in perfection. Then He sends that message from that eternal place into this earth through Christ. Then pray, teach them to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And He says, above all, I pray, I wish that you are happy and healthy. Now, it's just, it's just seeing God for who He is and just saying, I have a good Father that wants good things for me and just let it sit there. We have a hard time doing that because we want to figure it all out, slice it all up, define our doctrine. We all got our favorite preachers. Well, this one says this way. God's good. He wants good things for you. He made a way in Christ. In Christ you live forever. And in that forever, it is health and happiness and perfection and no sorrow. It's messed up now because of what we've done to it. But he is leading us out of it. He is leading us into that place of perfection. And he's encouraging us along the way. He's reminding us of what he's said to us. He's leading us into truth. He's given us hope. He has good plans for us that he's trying to work out in our lives. Pray. Man, I'm telling you, pray. God knows what you need before you ever even ask. So ask. Get your heart involved. And when you ask and it doesn't seem to happen, watch out. Don't harden your heart toward him. Remain soft toward him. Remain open toward him. Worship. Don't just say, well, I guess you didn't want it for me. No, he wants life. Well, why didn't it happen? I don't care why it didn't happen. I'm not going to try to even answer that for you. All I know is that God's good. Are you with me? I want us to walk out of here with a hope today. Being realistic. Life happens. This is not the way that it should be. There are people that we love facing really challenging situations. I mean, the worst situations. But I'm going to have hope. I'm going to have hope because I know where I'm going. I know who God is. I know what he's doing inside of me. And I'm going to yield to that life. I'm going to yield to that good father. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to represent him. And I'm not going to be afraid to give other people hope because of what I've been through. Be careful not to allow your heart to get hard. It's a trick. It's the ver Keeping your heart soft toward God is the very thing that you need, even when the thing that has hardened your heart was done to you. Not anything that you even did. Somebody misrepresented God. 
a loss in your life, something happens. Maybe, maybe Africa is on your heart really strong and you look at the condition. I've been there. I'm telling you, man. It's bad over there in some of those places. The quality of life that, that a large portion of those people have is they wake up sick, hungry, dehydrated. They take care of their goats. They hope a neighboring village doesn't come and steal their goats. And they try to survive all day, and they try to find some water. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, I was like, God didn't want that. What did those people do? Nothing. That's not God. Not even close. That doesn't look like heaven. That sounds like hell. That's not God. Do you know what God is? Eternal life with him in perfection. No sorrow, no sickness. Are you with me? I mean, just, just think about that for a minute. Even those of you that have kids or those of you that just have people that you love in your life. I mean, are you going to have them over to your house for a meal and you're going to feed them poison and rotten mushrooms one meal and then the next night you bring them over and you're giving them whatever they really love to eat? You know, it's like God creating a land of perfection and a land of starvation. It's inconsistent. Aside from the fact that he defines himself as a provider, as a father, as a husband that betrothes himself to you, that promises to you, all of my promises are yes and amen, so that you would be a partaker of my divine nature. That's like, hey, let's go adopt these people and bring them into our family so they can inherit, inherit what we have. That's what God has done. God has brought you into his family to enjoy his quality of life. So I, I really just want to leave you with those thoughts. When you face life, because I get it. Some of you have passions on your heart for ministry, to see certain things happen. And when it doesn't happen and other circumstances are hard, watch out because you can let your heart get hard. And then you start to wonder and then you start to, you know, then we get weird. When our heart gets hard, we get weird. I'm not saying y'all are weird. I'm just saying then we start, then we start, it's like then we start looking to this world for things to fulfill what only God can fulfill. Well, let me go over here. 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 Looking for God. I mean, am I telling you the truth or what? You know, we could just come in, play church, pretend that we know God, or we could really work this stuff out. I mean, I, I look at you guys. I don't feel like I'm preaching at you. What, here's what I feel like. When I, when I come into this place, I feel like these are my friends. This is my family. We are gathering together, and this is like a pre-huddle meeting because we're going to go out into life, and we're going to affect the world together. I mean, we have a common purpose. Show God to the world. Show the world how good he really is. Help them understand what Jesus did for them. Amen? I mean, that's the team that I see. That's the network and the family that I see.
Amen. Amen. So I, can you, I'm like I'm processing. <laughs> like I said, this is a processing message, even for me. So I'll just stop. But we'll walk out of here with hope. I, I'm kidding. When a preacher says he's going to stop. <laughs> walk out with you know you know those times when you got a lot to do but it's like I feel good but I got a lot to do and I'm just going to move on through this right that's where we are not that we have a lot to do but that we're secure in who we are we know who God is we're making a decision. We're going to have hope. We're not going to let the world's circumstances, even our personal circumstances that we are facing every day, rob the fact of who we know who God is and the hope that we have. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you've not left us as orphans in this planet. You've not just opened the door to heaven, but you've put heaven in us. You've given us your spirit. You've given us full access in your presence. We are accepted and loved forever in you because of the, the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. Father, help us to remember your goodness and who you really are as we live our lives. And as we try to work through those things that have been done to us, we try to sort through the loss and the offense that we have in this life, God, we know that you're good. We're going to follow you through, and you're going to lead us to that place of truth and ultimately into that place of perfection when we're free from all of this stuff. Father, we trust you in the journey, and we thank you that you're good. Amen.